On today's episode, we have Brad Jensen back on the podcast. He is the owner and founder of Key Nutrition and the Next Level Experience. And today we dive in and catch up with him on things that are new in his life as he's become a father. And we talk about some things way back in his day when he did bodybuilding shows, what his experience was like, how it impacted his mental state and physical state as well. And then we also kind of take a deep dive into adherence and why we believe so many people struggle to stay consistent. And so we hope that you guys will enjoy this podcast. You can find him on Instagram at the sober bodybuilder. Highly recommend following him. Brad is just a gem all around and we hope you enjoy this episode. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Welcome to The Food Code. We have another amazing guest today. I love our interviews because we get to introduce our listeners to all the people that we love and respect and, you know, look up to in, in to an extent with like what you've done with your community and your life and everything on social media. You are one of my favorite people to follow on social media. Oh, um, so we have Brad today. Brad Jensen, correct? Yes, Brad Jensen. So bad with last names. Um, and you are known as the sober bodybuilder on social media. Um, and you also run a coaching company just like Liz and I. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Can you do our community a little favor and kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what you do and how you got here? Yeah, for sure. So thank you uh, for the introduction. Yeah. Um, said my name is uh, Brad Jensen in my Instagram tag is the sober bodybuilder. I no longer compete in bodybuilding, but I'm still currently sober. So, uh, that's good. We'll just keep the name. You know, I was like, mm. um, I, uh, you know, my, my story is I was a fat kid growing up and found drugs and that made me not feel like I was an outsider. And then I found fitness and then I found drugs again. And then I went through a decade long addiction. I shared that whole story the first time I was on here. So mm -hmm. I'll spare you yep. that. But uh, I got sober November 20th of 2012. And, um, so this, this year coming up, uh, God willing, if I make it will be 10 years, which is a cool milestone. And, uh, that will actually kind of signify, you know, from, from, not just the time I started using drugs, but like active addiction, like actively addicted every day was about 10 years. So this will be kind of a cool milestone, like to be sober as long as I was actively addicted. So, um, yeah. And I started, um, I mean, I don't know. That's all boring. Listen, I own a coaching company, blah, blah, blah. It's fun. You know how it is. Uh, life's good. I'm a dad and, uh, that's probably my pride and joy and, and, uh, going a lot of different directions in business. So things are fun. Yeah. It's so exciting to just see all the updates, you know, online. Um, talked to Michelle briefly and saw a little bit of what she's doing now and how you've, you know, kind of continued to expand, um, you know, your business and the little guy. He is just adorable. 
I love watching your stories. And the best is when you ask parents for advice because, listen, we are all just trying to do our best to raise these little humans and keep them alive every day. So there's no right or wrong. (laughs) I know. I learned my lesson. I'm like, well, that was completely opposite of what that person said. Would that like... It made me more confused when I asked for advice. I'm like, so that's going to be a no for me anymore. Like, and still people think they need to chime in and give me advice. What's that? It's more, more often than not, it is unsolicited. I know you asked for it in that, in that situation, but sometimes I go on there and I like say something I'm going through and I get so many people that are like, did you do this? Did you do that? And I'm like, you know, I just was trying to air some feelings. I was just trying to to share some thoughts that I'm going through. I don't need I don't need more thoughts that make me feel like a worse parent than I already feel like in this current situation. Yeah, right? No, I was about to say, it's funny. Like the other night I was giving him, uh, he, was, he was throwing a temper tantrum, wanted some chocolate before bed. And I was like, you know, I gave him some chocolate and he said he'd go to sleep and he did. And everyone's like, oh, you really shouldn't do that. Do you see how you caved there and chocolate before bed's a bad idea? I was like, bitch, shut up. Like he went to bed, okay? He went to sleep. <laughs> it was a win-win for me. Yes, right? Well, that's okay because I was uh, having a conversation with my mother-in-law a couple weeks ago before we went on vacation. And I was like, if we can just do like one treat a day, that'd be great because Marcus is also going and helping himself now to cookies, ice cream. Like he gets the chair out, he climbs up the cabinet and he'll get it out himself. So I'm like, we got to like reel it in just a little bit. Yeah. As I'm having this conversation with my mother-in-law, this little shit had gone over and gotten thin mints out of the freezer. And then I'm like, you know what? This is my fault. I created this. I cannot blame anyone else but me. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, gosh. Okay. So we would love if you could talk a little bit around the bodybuilding days. Because, you know, I I think that it is, you know, everyone has their communities. Like I'm, I'm part of the CrossFit community. There are a lot of pros and cons to CrossFit. I realize that. Bodybuilding, I think, is very similar. Some people, it changes their life. It's amazing. I think for some other people, it can become kind of addicting to see your body in a way that is like the fittest, leanest, most, you know, shredded it's ever been. And also not realize that like that's not sustainable. And I think a lot of people struggle with that of like, I used to look like this or I used to be this weight. And we sometimes correlate the actions that it took to get there with what we have to do all the time. And did you go through any of that like mental struggle with bodybuilding and coming out of it and now finding like a happy medium per se? Mm, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good parallel to, to draw is that the bodybuilding community, uh, I think would be similar to like the CrossFit community, like depending on like, you know, how you're doing it, how involved, like th- there's pros and cons to both. Right. And, and I've definitely gotten some people who have said messages to me like, Hey, on Instagram, right. Hey, I know you hate bodybuilding, but, and then ask me a question. And I never once have ever said I hated bodybuilding. In fact, you know, I mean, it was always my goal to compete in the bodybuilding show. You know, I got, I got, pretty jacked in high school, right? Like that was my life. I mean, I was dedicated. I was taking tuna fish and brown rice out of the can and just like cold brown rice. And I I thought, and salsa, that was it. I thought that's what I had to eat. Um, Like three times a day, I'm talking in the hallways at school. Like I was dedicated and everyone kept telling me like, man, like you should compete in bodybuilding. I was like, yeah, I should, I should. And so I like kind of kept thinking I was going to like compete in this teenage, like um, pro-am show, like, like in the teen division, 
when I was in high school, I was kind of like, maybe I should kind of get ready for that. I was a senior. And uh, then this thing called Oxycontin happened and I got addicted. So it never happened. Right. But I always kept saying like, one day I'm going to compete. One day I'm going to compete. It was this barstool dream of like, I remember like sitting in these shitty crackhead motels when I was in my active addiction, like doing narcotics and telling people like, yeah, I'm going to compete one day. I'm going to compete. And they're like, no, you're not, dude, you're homeless. <laughs> but I like knew in my heart, like I wanted to. So my first show I did, um, I told myself that before I could even think about prepping for it, well, actually, I didn't tell myself this. My sober mentor did. Thank God for them. He said, get a year first before you make any kind of decision like this, because I think it's going to be way harder than you think it's going to be. I said, fair enough. So I got a year of sobriety and then I started prepping for the show um, and I competed. Uh, I was about 18 months sober. And that show prep was one of the the um, genuinely most beautiful and gratifying experiences I'd been through to that point in my life. It, it pushed me. Um, it challenged me. It was this bucket list item that I had searched for. Like I knew I wanted to do. I kept saying I was going to do it. I was going to do it. And then I was finally doing it. And, you know, I kept up on all my other stuff, like mental, emotional, spiritual work. Cause I was, I was so new still in sobriety, newish that like, I knew I had to like make it this centerpiece and, um, and it was an awesome experience and there was definitely some ups and downs during it, but I came out of that just feeling really like proud of myself. And I thought this was a, you know, I remember even just hopping on stage, like getting ready for the actual show that day. I got, I like being on a speedo in front of my mom with an orange spray tan, like wasn't like. Like that wasn't the most fun part for me. In fact, even being on stage wasn't the most fun part. It was the preparation for it that I, I fell in love with. And I proved to myself yet again, like, okay, you got sober off heroin and like, not, like you can do another hard thing. It was beautiful. But a funny thing happened is when I did that show, uh, a funny thing happened is I won. I won my class and I was up for the overall and I didn't win that. But essentially I was like second in this whole entire show and it was a big show. And people came up to me and said, oh, my gosh, man, you got a real future in the sport, right? And so immediately the ego kicked in where I said mm -hmm. this was going to be a one and done, but I did well, and then I wanted more. So I immediately told my coach, like, I want to compete again. And I think it was only like maybe nine or I did a couple more. Like, it was like nine months later. Um, I think I went through like a bulking phase and then, you know, cut for my show. But I pretty much was in this prep the whole time. And that, that experience was not as fun. It was not pleasant. I was operating instead of out of like, this is such a cool challenge and experience. My ego kicked in and I'm like, I want to be the best. I want to win. I'm going to do this. Like the ego took over. I was probably the most uh, emotionally and mentally and spiritually bankrupt I'd been to that point. Cause at this point, I think I had, you know, maybe three years of sobriety and um, almost relapsed towards the end twice. Um, and that hadn't happened. Uh, I was in a relationship that, uh, that, you know, I look back and, and everything happens for a reason, but definitely I came home like right after my show and her stuff was moved out. And there was a note that basically said, you're a selfish asshole. I didn't say that exactly, but, and she was right. Like I became all about me and I didn't, I, I let everything else go by the wayside, almost lost my sobriety over it. And, um, and so for me, and you know what, I even did well at that show. Um, and I didn't win the overall, which was my goal. And, you know, I realized that I remember I got off stage and I was like, never again. I never want to do this again. It was, uh, I had lost myself to get like insanely shredded. Right. 
sorry, that was a really long story to get to the point. No, that. I think that's like, that was a perfect. really good point. I think a lot of, and it can, I think it can parallel too, to an extent, like you can take things too far. You know, there, I, I think that there is a balance and it's different for everyone of health and doing things good for your body and, you know, feeling good about what you're trying to take in and move your body and exercise and do all these things. And it can become disordered and it can happen real fast for a lot of people of like, no, well, I just feel better doing three workouts a day. Like I just, you know, and and then it hits a point where you look back and you're like, I haven't spent time with my kids in a week because I'm so obsessed with measuring food on my scale and, you know, getting to bed so I can get in my 4 a.m. workout and my, you know, it's just, you have to be careful and be able to see the signs, you know, and unfortunately sometimes the signs are really big. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and, and it did, um, you know, I, I did get too obsessed. And, and, you know, it's almost like the first time I was, you know, in chasing the journey. I think like it's like Sal DeStefano said, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, but like the man who loves to walk will walk, you know, will walk further than the man who loves the destination, right? And like I was obsessed with that. Um, I, I think I butchered that, but I'm the first time I was genuinely like obsessed with this journey and this process, which also can be dangerous if you take it too far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, I, I was thoroughly enjoying the journey, the process of this, the evolution, seeing my body change. We'd make these seemingly minor switches in, in my, you know, in my plan with my food or cardio. And I was like, Holy crap, look at that thing popping. Like my delt would pop. And, and I, I spoke with myself, I spoke to myself with a lot of self-love. I was genuinely like really proud of myself. And I, I looked in the mirror and I was like, dang, I look really good. This is amazing. And I was like, you know, I'm probably not going to win. There's guys that are way bigger than me, but I'm just, I was just humble and loving the journey. The second time I was chasing that podium, right? And it's, the example I like to give is it's a client chasing, chase, they, the clients that fall in love with the journey and the process end up being the best clients you guys have, right? Mm -hmm. The ones who are chasing that end destination of the scale weight, or I've got to weigh this, or the ones that forget the beauty in the way. And that's all I was doing was mm -hmm. chase the second time I wanted to win. I had made my mark. I'd come out like my whole ego. And it's funny during that process, the self-talk, the way I talked to myself towards the end of that show, I would never speak to, even somebody I disliked, let alone somebody I liked like that in my life, ever. Mm -hmm. The body dysmorphia became real. And in fact, uh, it's funny we're talking about this. I just kind of started putting a, together a reel and then I got distracted. That commonly happens. I was like a week ago. I'm going to finish it though. Um, <laughs> just, we, we know that life. Yes, yes, yes. I probably have 30 reels that are in draft Drafts, that need right? to be completed. Yeah. I was like, uh, I get distracted and then I'm on to the next one. Then I'm like, I'll come back to it. Um, but was this picture of me. And I distinctly remember, and I was probably about four or five days out from the show. And, and I was drenched in sweat from doing all this hit cardio at my house on my treadmill. And I remember looking in the mirror and I took this picture and I distinct, I remember looking at it and saying, you fat piece of shit. Not only that, I was like, you're too skinny and you're too fat. And it's like, well, I don't know if you can be both, bud, because keep in mind, this is four days away from the show. There's nothing I can yeah. do to manipulate or change anything, which is pretty much, you know, give or take after filling out with some carbs, what we were going to roll with. Like, it wasn't like mm. I could really make huge changes in four days, obviously. And that picture I look at and I just see the dark, like my eyes were just dark. Like mm. I looked miserable. And at the same time, I can now look and go. 
you were shredded. Like I'm talking veins and places on my abs that I haven't seen since. And I, and I'm pretty lean. It was crazy the way I spoke to myself in that moment. And, and I look back and I just want to give that kid, I feel like he was a kid. Like he wasn't, he was probably a 29, 30 year old man. But to me, where I'm at today, emotionally, I feel like I was a little kid then. And I want to give him a hug and just be like, dude, you're doing great, man. You look amazing. And, and it was at that moment, I remember looking at that picture and just saying the most awful things to me. And it was this moment of clarity just for a brief second that I thought to myself, what are you, wow, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. it's like, logically, I could go, no, dude, you look insanely shredded. But it, like, it didn't resonate inside of me. And I'm like, this is not a good battle. Like, I'm going down. I can tell this. And so, yeah. um, yeah, you can take any, any good thing too far. And that was just my experience. And I could keep going on, you know, what I didn't love about competing. And there's a lot of things I did love. And people have asked me, do you think you'd ever compete again? And I'm like, I, probably not. I used to say, hell no. And there's a part of me that's like, I wonder now knowing what I know, if I could go about this different and if if I could really focus on all four legs of the chair here, right? Mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. I think it's really hard to do when you're chasing one goal and that's a physical goal. I mm -hmm. think somebody, something else is going to slack even if you don't want it to. Yeah, you're not going to have the balance. And I guess I always think now as a parent, you know, you've got a little guy looking up to you who's watching everything that you do. And is it worth sacrificing the balance there as well or however long prep season is to get up on stage that's not going to really serve you. Like, even if you won, okay, great. You have bragging rights, right? And it's awesome. It's a lot of hard work. But at the end of the day, what would it actually do for you? You know, um, that's just kind of the way that I think of it. And I think I think of it that way because I have some friends who had, you know, they got addicted to doing shows. Um, and essentially one of them is a mom. She's struggled since because she just feels like I can't get my body back. My hormones are so out of whack. She struggles with the body dysmorphia because she compares herself, even though this is someone who lost like 80 pounds to get on stage, looked amazing. She still looks great now. She's kept a lot of her weight off, but she compares it to that leanest day. Mm -hmm. And it's just messed with her mental and emotional being so much that for me, it's like, I just always want to maintain good balance to show, you know, Marcus or other, you know, children that we have in the future that this is important as a lifestyle, right? To be healthy and you don't have to be super shredded to be happy. Because I think, you know, we preach a lot similar, just we say it a little bit differently in terms of like, um, you know, our body being balance, um, you know, those pillars of success because we have to understand in some seasons, balance isn't always going to be there, right? Like you're grinding and you're in a growth season, you're not going to you know, have the balance that you normally have when it's not a growth season and you get to spend more time with your kids. But I think in that aspect, that's just kind of where my mind goes. And so like, how would you say that has also changed your thought um, regarding like what balance is now that you have Dom in your life? Yeah, no, you know, it's, um, you hit on a few good points there and it's an interesting kind of, and then I'm going to answer your question. You hit on something I want to touch on is that with okay. bodybuilding, um, I've always said that I think as a whole, it's far more detrimental for females than males and lots of reasons for that. I think the body dysmorphia is even stronger. And if it happened in me who I didn't really have much, I mean, I, 
I thought I was, you know, a sumo wrestler when I was 13. It turns out I was just like a short, chubby kid. But like, you know, I never really had that extreme. Again, my first show, I didn't at all. In fact, I might have been on the other side. I was like, dude, I look so good. This is so crazy. Like, you know, and and it's crazy how quick a year changes. Right. And but hormonally speaking and and what a female has to do to get that lean and they mm-hmm. lose their menstrual cycle amenorrhea right and and huge um huge disruptions in all the hormones from thyroid to progesterone yep. estrogen testosterone um the rebound effect is significantly higher so i believe i've seen a lot of girls here locally and luckily i mean this back when i was competing 2014 2015 like at least here in, in, in Salt Lake city competing was much bigger on a bit, but like everyone was doing it. And it's really, it's kind of slowed down a little. And I'm grateful for that because people got it. I see so many, I saw so many females get addicted to then doing another show because that's the only way they feel like they get lean again is that they had a goal and they would, yeah. and then they'd trash their body again. And then they'd rebound real big. I, I've seen girls rebound even with a really like, and I believe them mm-hmm. very diligent reverse diet, still gain 15, mm-hmm. 18 pounds. Yep. And absolutely because their body just could not take being that lean. It's going to fight back against you. And then you look on the male side and like, I feel like it's somehow still not spoken about enough. If it's not a natural show, it's an NPC show. I would say 80% of men are using, um, are using steroids. They're using drugs. And like, I feel like this is like this thing that isn't talked about. I'm like, well, let's talk about the guy side. I've been very transparent that I took a shit ton of steroids and I even took some shit, like some, some, um, blowback in my recovery community for doing that. And at the end of the day, it's like, to my own self be true. It wasn't mood altering, mind altering, but it was probably mood altering. Right. But the, sure. the, when I got my blood work done, this is like 12 weeks post show when I was like, man, I don't feel right. My liver enzymes were still elevated to the point where like, I mean, they were worried. I had like hepatitis, like, kidney function a lot of whack my blood pressure was still like 170 over 110 like these things are hard on men's body and and if you're just gonna stop like it's even going from that to just trt was this drop from being so elevated to feeling like kind of crap for a little bit and then just getting my blood work took a full i think six to nine months to even start getting like some okay regulations in these numbers and so there's a lot of reasons I'm against bodybuilding um, for the wrong reason. And, 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 and those are some of the things. So sorry now to answer your question. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you brought that up because I actually have another friend who is a male done a couple of them, but now is struggling with fertility Yeah, and it's him, right? Because they're saying like, you've got to be off of this stuff for a long period of time in order for us to get you to a place where you should actively begin trying. And it's sad because again, like I go back to, unless you're going to be like a pro and there's some amazing people out there and I get that people, you know, want to do that, but we also have to talk about the side effects of these things because there's always a cost of doing something, right? There's a cost to being a CrossFit athlete. There's a cost to getting on stage. There's a cost to everything, but I'm glad that you brought that up because when we look at clients and bringing them to a place of health, we do look at their lab work and we want to see optimal labs. We want them to feel good. And I also know people who can get addicted to, you know, different types of optimization, if I can air quote that, right, from a hormonal perspective. And it's not the same for everybody. Like some males feel great at a certain level of testosterone. Other males do not. They need more, you know? And so I'm glad that you touched on that too. And now I'll let you answer my original question. And and bottom line is, 
I don't care what any guy says. Like I've taken to myself and I've watched a ton of my friends or colleagues or whatever take anabolic steroids as well. With with just putting this very bluntly, it turns you into a complete douchebag. Like it does. Your andro- your your testosterone is through the roof. I've seen so many instances of um of infidelity. I mean, the only times I even remotely have gone down that route and like somehow, like by the grace of God, I had enough integrity to not fully go there. Um, was oh was back then when I was doing all this shit. And you're angry. Like roid rage is a real thing. When your testosterone mm-hmm. is like 5,000 nanograms, you're going to be more agitated. When you're taking shit that's meant to go in a horse to be, or, a, or a cattle to beef them up before you slaughter them, probably not going to be the best for you. I remember my skin was mm-hmm. turning like gray. And I just say that, that like there, there's this unspoken thing in the male body community. It's like, no, the shit is hard on you. And that's like for me mm-hmm. to, to compete at 11 people, well, just don't do it. Then you'll get smoked up there. Yeah, you can go compete in a natural show, but if you've ever done them, you can't then compete in a natural show. So right. that's, um, I just needed to, I hadn't spoken about that in a while. I'm like, why aren't we talking about that? Like, why do we just kind of like brush it under the rug? Yeah. The guys use a shit ton of drugs to get ready for these, including Adderall, like all this stuff, right? So, um, yeah. Wait, before we go on, I, can we touch on this? Because I'm, I'm curious to know how this was for you. I actually let a trainer go who used to work for us at our gym because he was in show prep. And he literally went like brain dead for like the two weeks prior to his show. And so we told him, if you're going to do another show and you're going to stay on staff here, you have to take a month off before your show because I would come in or I would monitor like on the cameras during his strength training sessions. And he'd be like sitting there just like, he looked like he was coked out, just like not even there. He's just like sitting and staring because he was so fatigued and so tired and so weak from, you know, the prep that it was like he couldn't even think straight. So, I mean, how did that impact you? I mean, besides like the mood stuff, did you ever feel like your productivity just also tanked? A thousand percent. And, and, you know, even thinking about now being a dad, like how the hell could I show up? I was trying to show up for me and a girlfriend at the time that clearly I didn't show up for because I came home and her shit was packed and like she was yeah. gone. Like I put her through too much. Right. And I, I, you know, when I, when I, when I stopped competing and people kept saying like, Oh, do you, do you think you'll compete again? I'm like, no, there's many reasons. One, two, um, the amount of money it's going to cost me. And they're like, yeah, I know shows are expensive. I'm like, oh no, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> the fact that the, by, by my last show, I, I, I legitimately just kind of quit working the three weeks before because I was not in a place to show up like my clients mm-hmm. deserved. So I essentially just put everyone on hold, you know, and didn't, didn't even, didn't do any calls, didn't do any check-ins. I was that out of it that I knew that like, I don't have any brain capacity. Now that's not everyone's story. I went pretty extreme measures the last one because by damn it, I wanted to win. Like, you know, and at what cost, right? And so, uh, very few people, there's, there's some people I know who are genetic freaks who can keep carbohydrates much higher than others during that last little bit of a show, maybe not have to do quite as much cardio, who, who can function a little better. And a lot of those people end up with pro cards because they're genetically gifted to be a, mm-hmm. to be a bodybuilder. Just like there's NBA yeah. basketball players didn't just like acquire the skill. They were born, I believe with that skill. And then they refined it. Right. And like the, yeah. you see these guys that compete at 280 pounds that are shredded. Like it didn't, wasn't by accident. They were always genetically blessed with, with a lot of ability mm-hmm. to cause hypertrophy. Right. And so, yep. um, and then kind of going to the balance thing is, uh, 
Mile, I, that's not about bodybuilding, right? <laughs> it could be about Dom. It could be about anything. Bring it Just wherever in you life. want. You know, how do you, how did, how did you find it? How did you build it? How did you troubleshoot with it? Because I think a lot of people, we actually talked to someone this morning that's like, I, balance doesn't exist. I think there's seasons of life. Um, so, you know, for you, what, what has changed to where you feel good about what you're doing now in all aspects? You know, and, and I would I would agree with that to a certain uh, extent that balance doesn't exist, but there's I, I think it does, but I think it's going to change. And I think your perception of that balance is always going to be very subjective. And I think if you're looking balance as a whole, probably doesn't exist because everyone's uh, definition of what that means or looks like is different. Sure. However, mm-hmm. there is definitely more times in my life where I felt more imbalanced. And and right now is currently one of them. And so I think it does exist in that sense. And um it was funny kind of bring this up as, you know, you guys get it, you know, as entrepreneurs and, and like, if, if the business fails or the businesses fail, like there's only one person I can point the finger at, you know, and it's me. Right. And so we can get caught in this trap, you know, we're the only people that will work 80 hours a week just to desperately avoid working 40 hours a week for somebody else. And yep. Dominic has been such a blessing. And even, and I believe this, I think there's, there's many reasons why I'm, grateful that like you know unfortunate me and his mom didn't work but even though i only get that wednesday and every other weekend and then it slowly tears up and by the time he's three which is only a year i get 50 50 which i'm really excited about but even though i don't see him every day the time i do have i want to like really really optimize and so i um i don't do any work when i have him i mean it's only you know was that eight days out of the month right now? It's not enough for me to justify doing anything when I have him. And so it's forced me into a place to do that. And a funny thing happened when I was unwilling to like do any work on the weekends I had him and I get him Friday at one and I'm done. I just started setting every Friday to be done at one. Now, granted, sometimes when I don't have him, I'll do a little more, but I don't, I, I do my damn just to not work at all on Saturday and Sunday anymore. And, and that was not my story for, seven eight years maybe even yeah mm-hmm. it would probably the last year since i started getting him like overnight and getting <laughs> these weekends that i prioritized yeah. that and it's um it has given me a lot of balance and i'm realizing how much more efficient i am come monday and that's just with my work life and then with like the gym i mean i'm in a i'm in a cut right now because i'm vain and i want to look a little better for summer that's the only reason why and I have a lot of balance still in my cut because I, I, I'm flexible with my diet. I track macros and, um, and I also just understand that like, I, you know, I don't have this dead set goal that I have to be to X this. I'm just trying to, you know, cut a little bit. And I've even found balance within like my, I don't feel like I have to work out six days a week anymore. It's like four to five yeah. some weeks, only four when I have Dominic and I'm super happy with that. And so, you know, it'll ebb and flow. And then I'm, I'm starting a new project with, with this other business I do, and it's going to start taking more of my time. And I might find that balance goes away for a little bit, just like those seasons. Right. But it will come back. Like I, I know what it's like, and, and I'll wrap this up with this, but I was just on, I'm I'm part of this, um, this men's coaching group, kind of this mastermind. And, and on today's call, um, this quarter is all about like the financial side and finances. And that's really why I joined this group. And you know, as they were talking and like this guy was giving some strategies and I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to punt away the next five years. 
and just work 70, 80 hours a week. So then I can hopefully, you know, not have to work as much. I'm like, I'd rather take 10 years than five and, and just work a little less, but still work. Like some of the strategies this guy was giving was great for somebody who maybe just desperately wants to create financial freedom as quick as possible. But I just, I was like, this doesn't resonate with me. I care too much about my, my balance in life. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that is really important as a parent because what I've learned very quickly, Marcus is turning three next month. I feel like in a blink of an eye, he's grown up into this little Mm -hmm. man, you know, and I agree with you. Beck and I have tried to do this as well in our business of stopping early. We're going to be taking some Fridays off so that we can take the boys and do fun things with them, you know, having them sometimes half days with us instead of giving them all the time to like our in-laws or our parents to help. And so I love that you brought that up. And I want to kind of take us into the second segment that we wanted to chat with you about and segue with, you know, what you said about balance. Because I personally believe that balance ebbs and flows. You do have balance in some way, but it might be shifted a little bit more. Like you mentioned, right now, you've got time off. You're noticing that you can give this you know, to yourself too on a Friday afternoon that you don't have him because you're finding that you're more productive. As you launch something new, you go into another growth season, you're going to you know, be demanded to spend more time in that and maybe work a little bit more than you are. So it's going to ebb and flow. We see this a lot with our clients right? They come in and we hear a lot of times, like, I feel like I'm focusing on food so much and, oh, this is stressful. Like I'm having to weigh and measure my food. And we always talk to them about, you know, adhering from a place of learning and understand that this season isn't forever, that you do have to put in some legwork and have more time spent in the kitchen. If you, you know, not new to tracking, you're not new to macros, you're not, you know, somebody who's ever meal prepped before, but you have a goal of fat loss, you have to understand what is in food, learn what the balance of your food looks like and what it should feel like so that you can achieve your goals, but also sustain your goals. And so we kind of want to talk a little bit about adherence, um, you know, because we know that at least with the people that we primarily work with, and I believe this is for um, you guys as well, a lot of them are busy. They have lifestyles that are either social or they have, you know, kids and they're running here or there. And we want all of them to have flexibility. I want them to get to a place where they can moderate, you know, appropriately. But in the beginning, it feels like a lot of work. And we see a lot of people give up before they really turn a corner and it becomes easy. So share your thoughts on that because I think that parallels, you know, with balance, because at some point you will have balance with your food and the, you know, fun things that you want. But in certain seasons, you're not going to have that balance because the goal is different. Yeah, but we said if I could bottle up consistency and adherence in a supplement, I'd be a multi-multi-billionaire. Like if I could just create mm-hmm. this supplement that would give people the ability to be consistent and adherent, pff, game over. Like it is, um, <coughs> you know, I, I, I've said a lot and, I, and, I, and I, I've seen even you talk about it. Like it's, it is the sexiest message, the unsexiest message we sell, right? It's like, be consistent, be patient, eat at a calorie deficit or eat a calorie surplus, whatever goals are, right? Um, You know, you know, track your food. Like, it's just not get enough sleep, manage your stress. Like, it's not, not, nothing sexy, right? And 
And I think that that's why so many people kind of drawn a parallel to the show or CrossFit or whatever, like if there's a meet or ga the games or, you know, or a show or these things that give people the ability to lock into a different level of adherence because there's this immediate goal. And the, the challenge for coaches like us is getting people to be adherent when there isn't an immediate goal, right? Getting right. them mm -hmm. to be adherent for, you know, these cheesy, like, what are your different whys? But I only, I, I like to love, like label them as different leverage points. Like what are the leverage points here? And a lot of these leverage points will only be revealed when you're more and more adherent and consistent. So all of a sudden I always tell people we're inherently motivated. I don't care if you're motivated when you first start seeing me as a client, like sure it's cool, but motivation is this fleeting thing, right? It's like trying to cup water in your hands, no matter how hard you try to hold it under that faucet, you can hold it for a minute. And then seemingly out of nowhere, you're like, where are the cracks? It slips through. So I tell people, I don't really care if you're motivated, but we just got to do it because motivation is going to come and go. And we're inherently motivated as human beings by results. So you start seeing some success, all of a sudden it becomes a little more motivating to continue to do the action. The hard part is getting people to do the action before those, they're seeing those results, whether that's in the scale and their clothes, how they feel, their relationships, if we're looking like self-development, you know, the shit takes time. And so I, I, um, creating adherence and, and I, and I'm sure you found this too, is going to look different for each client, like, like how to get them to be adherent. And, and to me, that's really just being, um, consistent and compliant, right? How to be consistent in, in their adherence is going to vary individual and individual. And you're gonna have to pull on different kind of leverage points to get them there. Um, but I always tell people, like, don't give up before the miracle happens. I see this happen in my recovery community, and this is probably a, a grave example, but I see people who were just, like, struggling, and I'm like, I get it, dude. It sucks at first, but you're going to hit this corner. Like, it's going to start shifting for you, I promise. Like, if it didn't, I wouldn't still be here today. And then they just kind of grit, and then they're just not consistent enough. Next thing you know, they relapse, and and some of them die. And it's like, damn, like, I feel like he was so close to getting that switch um, mm -hmm. but also I think understanding, and it doesn't have to be for everybody. I think your perception of this might, might make this true or false, but there might be some suck in there, especially in the beginning when, if you're 300 oh, yeah. pounds overweight and you've been sedentary and you put on this, you know, for a decade, you've lived this horrible lifestyle, even just walking is going to feel kind of defeating. You're going to be tired mm -hmm. and it's going to suck a little. And again, it doesn't have to suck, but it might for a little bit. But to me, that's mm -hmm. the price of admission to get something great. If it doesn't have a little bit of suck in it or a little bit of difficulty or challenge, yeah. it's probably not that great to begin with. And so yeah. I don't know if that really answered your question, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> no, I, I love having just an open dialogue and discussion around it because I couldn't agree more. And this is why Beck and I feel so strongly about individualized coaching. Like, I know that there are people who have been successful with creating plans or evergreen products or courses. And, and that's great. But for us, what we found is that emotional piece and the mindset piece is such a big part of the puzzle in terms of sustaining long-term. Because anybody can, if you are motivated enough or you stay disciplined enough, you can lose the weight. You can either do Weight Watchers, you can do Jenny Craig, you can do whatever you find on the internet that you want um, to follow to be in a calorie deficit, any diet, right? That creates a calorie deficit and you could start adding in all of this workout and you probably drop some weight if you're adherent and consistent. But in order to actually sustain the results and maintain your happiness and also 
health, right? Maintain your health because we're all about health. I think this has to be one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle that's attacked. And I don't know how coaches do this on a, a big level. Maybe I just haven't seen it done well yet, but that's why we do individualized coaching because you are 100% correct. Every one of our clients struggles with something a little bit different. They all have commonalities, of course, but they all have different personalities too. Some clients love the tough love. They love our Friday fires, the no BS approach. Other clients, we need to handhold. We need to you know, pull some things out and dig a little bit deeper in different ways and a little more softer approach. And so I'm glad that you brought that up because I also think that everybody looks at adherence differently. And especially as they come into a coaching program, we know some people think because I've hired a coach, it's going to be really easy. I'm just going to get results. I don't have to embrace the suck for a period of time. But you do. You have to put in some of the work. And that's also what I believe makes it all worth it on the other side. Like imagine you won the lottery. You go out. What do they say is like the statistics? They go broke very, very quickly within six months or something. But if you work hard for your money, and you embrace the suck and you show up every day, you're going to manage your finances much differently than the person who just got to hand it to them. Right. And so I just wanted to have a little bit of dialogue around that. And I love that you brought that up because I know you guys do individualized coaching, you know, and, and believe strongly that each individual needs to be treated as an individual and not as this person that we took down their weight height, you know. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. Age, height, weight. Here's your macros. Yeah. Age, height, weight. yeah. 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 And I, yeah. I don't think the group coaching, I've yet to seen it done well. I've been in this industry quite a while. I don't think it works on a, on a grand scale when we're talking about, um, you know, weight loss or fitness coaching or, you, you know, I mean, listen, if you're talking about like a community where you get like workouts, cool. But if we're talking about individually, like working on not only losing weight, but getting labs improved or creating more uh, consistency and therefore creating more confidence. Like that's going to look different for each individual. And as you know, there's like you talked about, there's clients that need tough love. There's ones that more need the cheerleader. I have clients that like based on the week, uh, I'll kind of know when their period's coming up. I'm like a little more, a little more cheerleading this week is going to be fine. And then like, so we can even change week to week how you need to approach a client. And I'm not a fan of group coaching. And I'll say that adamantly again, like, you know, I guess the examples, like I, like my friend Jordan Syed does his inner circle totally different. They're not actually prescribing people macros. It's 25 right. bucks a month. It's more you're joining for a community and it's more based around workouts. So every four right. weeks they get new workouts. But even that he says like, listen, this is very general. Like this isn't going to work for all of you guys. Like, you know, some of these, mm -hmm. so they, they create different tiers, but to me, that's different than like, hey, let's get you to lose weight, feel confident, and get to the best you possible for $24.99 a month. It's like, get the hell out of here. That's not going to no. happen. No. The lose well, you also saw what you also just saw Noom. They just got sued. There's a whole bunch of yeah. other companies that have like tried to mass serve, I guess. Mm -hmm. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Populations without, up. without individualization and jack jack people up and we get a lot of them after yep. we Noom, were just Optavia like oh, it just it sucks be because these people come to you post show it's like basically people coming to you post show and being like I want to I want to heal my body and it's like you're probably going to gain weight because you have literally been eating nothing and so unfortunately most of those people come in a state where no matter what you do you're going to gain weight because your body is so unbelievably stressed and unhealthy. And it's just like, it sucks because these things mess people up. And it's like, it's just not talked about. It's no. not talked about. 100%. And, and then you talk about, they're like, well, you know, 
Keep in mind, they're 40 pounds heavier than when they did Optivia. You know, when Optivia, I did 1,200 calories, and that's what worked. I'm like, did it work, though? Like, let's examine where you're currently at. It didn't work. It worked in the moment, and then it completely backfired. Well, that's because I stopped doing it. No. You know, and you have to almost, like, re-indoctrinate them to to not some crazy philosophy, but just some basic shit and understanding of like calories and calories out, like metal, like just trying to, and it's really hard to unwire and like, and, and yeah. I, I'm not even talking about like reap, like unprogram them just to like some basic physiology is a very challenging process. And you know, those, um, you know, it, it's almost like saying, Hey, let's do therapy on a group coaching scale. Like no one would ever say that works. And I'm like, well, I would argue that fitness coaching is not too far off from that. We end up yeah. kind of being therapists because you end up uncovering a lot of stuff through this process. If done right, I've always said the physical results will just be the icing on the cake. The shit, the cake will be what you've learned about yourself, the grit, the discipline, the, the, you know, you'll, you'll have some triggers exposed. You'll, you'll be pulling off layers. Of the, if you're doing this right and taking a whole well-rounded approach, the physical results become the icing. Like the cake is built on the journey and uh, group coaching, I think, doesn't work. And and honestly, to me, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of those people, whatever, they're in it for cash dollars. They don't really care about helping people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, yep. obviously, you know, as people, as coaches who do individual coaching, I, I have a problem with that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, yeah. you know, they've got to go to bed and lay their head on the, on the you know, on the pillow feeling good yep. about what they yeah. do. And some of it is just... Um, you know, almost cognitive dissonance, right? They, they, but they're just like, oh no, I think everyone's getting results. Like, let's not talk about what happens afterwards. Let's and- not talk about how many people also signed up and never got any results. Like the beach body, you know, I've shared stats on that before. Like the success rate, if you really dive into it, like they have tons of transformations because oh, yeah. thousands upon thousands of people do it. But, you know, out of yeah. thousands upon thousands, how many are actually seeing results? Or following through yeah. with adherence and yep. being consistent and doing the workouts and following, you know, eating healthy or whatever they're preaching now with this new gut health cleanse and so forth. Anyways, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. I but- think my favorite though, your portrayal of this with Sheena is like the perfect comedian side of what actually is adherence with like, and it's funny, but sadly what you're doing is true. Like it's, you know, how... This is our 360th appointment and we are up, up about a pound. <laughs> it's like this, and she's, it's the, I want to have my cake and eat it too. You know, I, I want to go out with the girls and have the bottles of wine, but I want you to help me lose weight. And it's like, there's got to be some give and take. You can't do what you're doing right now and see change. It's just, you know, it's tough. You know, I thought I would more tough. for Sheena a lot. And most people actually laugh because um, they know it's true. Like they know it's true. Like, you know, she was kind of created out of like a need to, uh, you know, get some infotainment in your content. Right. And a lot of it's not even the informative part is like, this is literally how you sound. Like, this is how you look and sound. And, um, how many of my old clients are like, I feel like this character is based off of me. I'm like, it's based off of all of you guys compiled into one. Um, We have so many people that say that about our Friday fires. They're like, I feel like you were talking to me. And I'm like, I'm talking to all of our clients. I know. And it's like sometimes like, you know, when you're creating a reel, it's like maybe it's too close to that conversation we just had. Maybe we should push this out another 30 days because – and we don't say that like we love all of our clients dearly, Obviously. but we also understand that, you know, if you want us to successfully guide you from point A to point B and – 
be the last coaches that you ever need. You have to be willing to put in the work and you have to be willing to put your best foot forward. That doesn't mean 110% adherence 110% of the time. Like It means being consistent and putting in the effort and saying, hey, this is what happened this week. And instead of me resorting to eating the whole cake or the bag of chips or the bottle of wine, this is what I did. And, you know, I wasn't 100% compliant in terms of like maybe my macros or hitting all of my numbers perfectly, but this is a huge win. Those are things that I'm looking for from clients. Like, so when we talk about adherence, we're just also talking about the fact that people are showing up with the intent because of now the uh, education they received, how aware they are that they can make a better decision. And sometimes it is good, better, best, right? Sometimes it is just about making the best decision in the moment when life throws you curveballs, because this is also something that's tailored to your lifestyle. And so, you know, if you are a client listening to this or your Brad's client listening to this, just know that as coaches, we care about your results and we're invested in you just as much as you're invested in us. And so as long as you are putting forth your best effort and you're communicating and you're trying to be consistent, you know, in the situation or you're asking for help, you know, too, I think is a big one of saying like, what we've been setting goals forth is, isn't realistic in this season of my life, then as coaches, it's our job to help you shift some of those goals or provide you the strategy so you can be adherent. So it's not to say that you know clients just never adhere by any means. We know that it's adherence is tough, but at the end of the day, you have to come to the table and put forth the effort. You can't just expect to hire a coach and all of a sudden you know, you're going to lose weight. You've got to be willing to buckle down, embrace the suck a little bit and get consistent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm glad you said all that because it's true. Like our job is to like individualize again, the individual part, a plan for you. That's going to, we're trying to make this fit into your life. Not like a bodybuilding show prep where your life has to fit into that. And you've got to carry Tupperware full of tilapia and brown rice to the dinner table out. Like I was some friends that shit sucks. And I tell some people, I'm, I used to create these rigid meal plans when I first got back in the industry, when I first got sober, the place I worked for, that's, that was the model. Um, I realized it was very flawed. So I got out of it. But I was like, we were creating strict meal plans with guess what? Like the supplement bars, we just happened to sell. And like, it was almost like the body for life kind of template. And um, that's why I tell people, like, I'm trying to get you in ruthless accountability. Like where client, my favorite check-ins where a client shows up, I look at their tracking sheet and I'm like, what in the hell happened this week? And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And before I can even say anything, like, listen, horrible week. Here's where I failed. I didn't plan this. I never made it to the grocery store. thought I could wing it. thought I had enough knowledge to wing it. Proved to be very, very challenging. I cannot yet. Like they come with almost this task item of what they did. That is progress. Like that is me, even though they maybe sucked that week with as far as the the application um, of, of the plan. To me, that is them putting their best foot forward starting now is that they examine their week. They already come with like, hey, and if I can expand on any of it, great. But again, that to me, like that's putting your best foot forward. You might've sucked this week, but if you've already taken the time to examine why you did, shit, man, that's what's, the, mm-hmm. the difference of my clients uh, that succeed long-term and one that don't are simply they, the clients who do are, they were unwilling to do stuff that the, the ones who don't, wouldn't do. And it's as simple as like, holding themselves accountable and calling themselves out and trying to look for the lessons in it before I even have to point them out to them. That's the difference. And you're still making progress. 
when you're learning <laughs> what your triggers are or what your roadblocks are. Like I just had a conversation with a client right before we hopped on here. She felt like the last three to four weeks have just kind of been a waste because she got really, really sick. And I'm like, wait a second, let's unravel all of this. Your choices that you made coming out of being sick were much different than they would have been previously. While you were sick, much different than they were previously. Your workouts, you slowly built back up to those pretty darn quickly and you walked when you could, when you had that energy. Like it's not a waste of time. Let's look at this and compare it to other seasons and you know how you reacted to the situation in the past compared to how you've reacted now, because eventually I'm not gonna be here anymore for you. And you're gonna have to do these things on your own. And that's where we learn the most is in those challenging times or those shitty weeks or, you know the weeks that we think that we can wing it. And Beck and I have said this a hundred times. I'm sure that you've said it a hundred times yourself too. Nobody who's ever been successful just wings it. Yeah. You got to plan. You got to you know, put in some time and effort into setting yourself up for success. So we won't uh, beat a dead horse there, but this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming back on. We always love our time with you and we want to be respectful of your time. So Will you just, I will link all this in the show notes, but will you just let our listeners know where they can uh, find you, connect with you and follow you? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. And like, these are fun conversations. Uh, I'm still on shows a lot talking about my story. And while I, well, while don't get me wrong, I thoroughly enjoy doing that. I feel like it's part of my mission in life. I really, really, and even any speaking engagement I get is always based around my story. And then yeah, kind of, and that's great. I, I'm not, I'm very grateful for that. But I'll tell you what, I'm I'm extra grateful for conversations when we can come just spit knowledge about what we love to do. Um, because I feel like there's there's the side that people know me for. And then I'm like, yeah, but but I also love to talk about this shit. So let's talk about it, right? So thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, yeah you can find me on Instagram at the Silver Bodybuilder. Um, same thing on TikTok. I'm not the most TikTok guy yet. Um and uh, website is keynutrition.com, but um, podcast is the Key Nutrition Podcast on all platforms. And honestly, uh, one, one little uh, shameless plug for my next level experience, which is a quarterly course I do, which is a deep dive mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically in your relationships. It's kind of, uh, that's kind of my passion right now. It's um, for people who want to level up in all areas. There's components of meditation and breath work and uh and um and energy work in there and, and nutrition and fitness coaching through the whole thing but that's my next level experience.com um yeah thanks for uh, having me on i appreciate your time thank you for listening to the food code if this episode resonated with you please share rate and review as this helps us reach others around the world with that thank you for listening we'll be back soon love you guys